honor of introducing our guest speaker. Um, Pastor Randy was kind of bummed that he couldn't be here for the sake of hearing the message. Some of you have heard um, Pastor Dave speak before, but I just want to read. Pastor Randy really did want you to hear his voice, um, and I'm not going to do a Pastor Randy imitation. I'm not going to do that. That'll get me in trouble. But what I am going to do is I'm going to read his words of um, blessing and favor for Pastor Dave, just so you can hear his heart towards our guest speaker today. Pastor David Siriano and his wife, Elsa, have dedicated their lives to the Church of Jesus for many years. Even though they have officially retired years ago, Pastor Dave is asked to preach or teach just about every weekend somewhere in the northeast part of our nation. Pastor Dave is extremely well-versed in the millennial reign of Christ and the blessed hope of Jesus, Jesus' soon return to this world. You will be blessed being here and learning all that Pastor Dave has to share with, the word, with word of Life today. Word of Life, please welcome Pastor David Siriano. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm honored to be able to speak about the subject that uh, uh, Pastor Randy asked me to speak on, on Jerusalem. Uh, I was here this weekend anyway. Uh, when he called me, uh, he said, can you fill in for me on the 10th of June? And I said, well, on the 9th of June, I have to teach an eschatology class in uh, at Life Church for the New York District, uh, they asked me to speak, uh, to teach an eschatology class. So I said, that's no problem. I'll just stay overnight, and I'll be here for you. So I'm, it's a pr privilege for me to be here. Um, I um, want to just mention to you, you could see my wife. Uh, she is at the back table. A lot of times I give her an opportunity to say something in the service. Uh, and, uh, but she's back there at the, uh, at the table. She's my wife of 55 years, 5'5". Five, five. And... Uh, Although I run her ragged with such a schedule that I have, and she comes with me everywhere I go, and she's a trooper, so my reward for her when we're traveling, I usually go to the breakfast bar at the hotels, and I bring her breakfast in bed, so that's her reward. So, so she's, a, she's a trooper. She's, she's with me all the time, and so I appreciate her. Uh, and um, uh, there's some books at the book table there. I wrote a book about a dozen years ago called uh, The Cultural Collapse of America. I don't have any with me, but it's this book here. You can get that at Amazon.com. And uh, in it, I made a number of predictions about uh, war and why we go to war and uh, the presidents and the Constitution and uh, all kinds of things that's happening in the world today. So it's The Cultural Collapse of America and the World. Our culture is collapsing, it's changing. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to destroy America uh, by a collapse, although that's possible. But in our own lifetime, uh, Russia collapsed as a superpower. Uh, and uh, when I was just a little boy, uh, the British Empire collapsed. In fact, it was collapsed even before I was born. And it was collapsing during my, life, my young life. Uh, and so things change. And of course, every superpower collapses. And that's what I have been saying for a couple of decades about America. I love America. Uh, and uh, I'm glad to be here. My, I'm a member of the FBI, uh, the full-blooded Italians. And, and my... <laughs> My parents came over, all, they all come over from Italy, and I was born in America. And they were all Catholic, but they all got converted to Christ in a Pentecostal church before, before I was born. So I was raised Pentecostal all my life, being an Italian, and that's a little unusual. And I became a Protestant uh, Pentecostal minister. Uh, also, this book will be tough for you to get at Amazon.com uh, because they want about $100 for each copy. I don't sell them for that, but uh, and then one copy I've seen for $800 because they think it's uh, expired. It's not, but you can purchase that. I have a few of those. And in the book here, I'll mention that later. And my daughter has a book my wife even wrote 
the other side, I don't mean to be a sales pitch here, but she wrote the other side of the pulpit, the dreams and screams of pastor's wives. So, you, you know, she's, she's dreamt a lot and she's screamed a lot. So, uh, uh, so anyway, and, and, and uh, usually when I teach an eschatology course, uh, Doctrine of the End Times, uh, I, I usually pull out my 15-footer chart, but you can purchase some of the smaller ones. It gives you a, an overview uh, of... Uh, of the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, and uh, you can see that and all that. So that's good stuff. So anyway, good to be here. Uh, the last time I was here, uh, the, the pastor, uh, Pastor Randy, asked me to speak on Israel. And I says, that's not a problem. And so I did. That was maybe two or three years ago, I think. And he said, this time, he says, can you speak on what's happening in Jerusalem, with Jerusalem? I says, I'll be glad to do that too. Uh, so anyway, I, I, uh, that's going to be our subject matter, which, is, uh, which I have uh, on the screen for you, which is Jerusalem is the city of God, the city of God. And let's uh, bow our heads, please, just in a word of prayer, and let's ask God's guidings, guidance here for this message today. Father in heaven, we thank you once again because we have the privilege of being here. Uh, we know that you have all things under control. You control uh, good and you control evil. You are sovereign God. And uh, the works of evil are only permitted and only allowed by your sovereignty because you absolutely take control in the end and you fight and win the battle of Armageddon and you bring us into that millennial age. And we thank you because we are on your side. You've saved us. You've baptized us. You've filled us with the Holy Spirit. And we are here now being accountable to you and we are here serving you. And that we appreciate and love you for. We thank you. We are not worthy, but we thank you because, oh Lord, you've called us and we've answered. Thank you and be with us now in this message. Uh, and you know, Lord, that I cannot do this by myself. And I need your Holy Spirit to guide me and direct me today. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm glad to be alive because um, my, my parents, I, I'm 76 years old, and uh, I still have a full schedule till the end of the year and, and, and into next year. Uh, but um, I, I tell you my age because my, uh, my parents were dead. They came from Italy, as I said. They were dead in their 50s. Uh, my uh, older brother even died. He was 51 years old. Uh, my father died. He was 54 years old. My mother died, she was 58 years old. They all knew the Lord, but they all had uh, lives in which were cut shorter than mine. I had open heart surgery around the time of my, what my father's age was, and, and seven stents since that time. And so I'm 76, as I said, and so I'm standing here to praise God for his goodness to me, that I can preach the gospel. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He has allowed me to live another 20-some-odd years beyond my dad, uh, and, uh, and I, the doors are open for me to tell, talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite subjects, when I was a pastor, I had to preach all the counsel of God. Uh, but uh, now that I'm retired 10 years ago, I've been doing this full-time. I did it part-time as a pastor, but I've been doing it full-time, uh, and I'm glad to be able to talk about one of our four cardinal doctrines in the Assemblies of God. One, of course, is salvation. The other one is healing. The other one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And the fourth one is the blessed hope, which is the return of Jesus Christ. We have 16 tenets of faith, but these are the four cardinal doctrines, most important. And so I'm here to talk to you about Jerusalem and what God is doing in these last days. But let me tell you a story about uh, a husband and wife. Uh, my wife of 55 years, we love each other. And as I said, she goes with me everywhere and I keep contact with her. She has an iPhone and an iPad and she, ha she has a smartphone and I have a dumb phone. That's my, my phone. That's about it. 
you know, but uh, she said, I didn't have a phone because I like laptops and computers. And she says, you got to get a phone because in case we are separated, I can contact you. So I said, okay. So I bought one of these little flip phones and she wants me to get rid of it and buy something smarter. But I, I don't know. Even my daughter-in-law was in Florida, and she's forcing me to go to the, to the, is it the Apple store? Yeah, the Apple store, and she said, you got to get a phone, Dad, and so I, nah, but I didn't do it, so. But this, this, this husband and wife, uh, they didn't get along too well here on earth, um, and this, they, they were married a number of years, but they just sometimes couldn't stand each other, I guess, and uh, so uh, she, the woman dies, and she goes to heaven, uh, and, um, and she meets St. Peter at the, at the gate, and, and, and says, um, what do I need to go get into heaven? And St. Peter says, well, all you have to do is spell the word love. And she said, spell the word love, that's it? And he said, yeah. And so she says, okay, L-O-V-E, love. He says, enter into the joy of the Lord. So she gets into heaven. And she's uh, been gone a number of years, and, and uh, she's uh, there in heaven a number of years. And, and St. Peter one day came to her and said, you know, I got some other business I've got to take care of. Could you stand at the gate? Uh, for me and do my job and for those people who want to get in just have them spell the word love and and have them when they spell it just tell them to enter into the joys of the lord so she so she said sure so she'd been doing that job just for a short time and all of a sudden she sees in a distance her husband coming he passes away and you know they couldn't stand each other on earth you know so he's coming toward the gate and uh and he says, uh, what are you doing here? She says, well, St. Peter was busy, and he had me have the people enter in to, to, to heaven, help him enter, have the people enter in. So he says, well, what do I need to do to enter in? And she said, spell the word Czechoslovakia. <laughs> so, so, so I'm not sure he made it in there, you know, but, uh, but anyway. <laughs> Jerusalem, the city of God, and you can take out your Bibles. I'll show you some other scripture that'll be up on the screen, but this one I want you to turn to, turn to your phone, <laughs> you know, I used, to, I used to say turn, your, turn in your Bibles too, now I have to say turn in your Bibles and also turn in your phones or something, turn to your phones. Uh, and uh, in, in First Kings chapter 11, you can put that second slide up, which is number two, Jerusalem, the city of God, Second Kings 11, and this is the text that we're looking at, at here. Uh, and I won't read the entire verses just in the interest of time, but just to tell you the story, uh, the, the prophet Ahijah, uh, the, the Shilamite, he prophesied and said that uh, uh, Israel was going to be divided to the, from the northern kingdoms to the southern kingdoms. Uh, and uh, because of the idolatry in the northern kingdoms, there were 20 kings of the northern kingdom, and every one of them were evil kings. There were 20 kings in the southern kingdom, and this is after uh, Saul, David, and Solomon. 20 in the north that were evil, 20 in the south that uh, most of them were evil. Uh, and so you, then you have to wonder of the state of affairs of uh, even our own uh, nation. But, it, but what happens is it's split. But, but in verse 32, uh, it says this, and this is 1 Kings chapter 11, and, and I'll just look at verse 32 and, and 36. Verse 32 says, but I'm, I'm going to split the nation is what he's saying, but I'm going to have one tribe for my servant David's sake and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel is what God is saying. The city that I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. And then when you skip down to verse 36, it says, but unto his son will I give one tribe that David, my servant, may have a light always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen me to put my name there. 
He says, I have put my name on the city of Jerusalem. You can also find it in, in the 14th chapter, verse 21. It was, on, it was on the slide. Chapter 14, 21, and also in 2 Chronicles 12, 13. These are the scriptures where you find that it says that God puts his name on the city of Jerusalem. And this is the city, of course, where... Uh, this is the city where three religions dwell, as we very well know, Jerusalem. We know that the Jews, uh, who are the sons of Isaac, they dwell there. Uh, the Arabs, uh, which uh, is Islam, part of Islam now, which are the sons of Ishmael. And also the church, the sons of Jesus. And I have them there as well. The Jews, the sons of Isaac, which is the son of Abraham. The Arabs, which is uh, a part now of Islam. They weren't Islam, of course, at the beginning in the book of Genesis. But uh, around uh, four or five hundred years or, or so, six hundred years later, after Jesus, they converted to Islam. They're the sons of Ishmael. And the, of course, the church is there, uh, which we are the sons of Jesus. What we need to do as far as Jerusalem is concerned is we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible says in Psalm 122, 6 and 8, as I have on the slide, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem that they shall prosper that love thee, and, and they, shall, they shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions sake, I will now say, peace be within ye. Remember this passage of scripture in Psalm 122. If you're praying about America, and, and I do, uh, I love the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he was a, a, a prophet that was called to the nations. And he, he was called to the nation to build up the nations and tear down the nations. Build them up and plant them or tear them down. He had to speak these words in the book of Jeremiah. You see all that. And he was a, he was a prophet that went to Israel, went to Judah, and said, you might as well forget about it. You think you're saving your nation? I'm telling you it's over. You might as well just go into captivity with the Babylonians because you've been so sinful, and that's going to be the end of the nation. And it was. He was the only prophet that was saying that. Jeremiah was a, was a great uh, uh, prophet, but uh, uh, we, we know that uh, he spoke about the end times, and he spoke about the captivity of the children of Israel. But what we're supposed to do, uh, like him, he prayed for Jerusalem, and we're supposed to pray for that city when we're praying for all we nations, praying for America, praying for Israel, praying for what's happening in, in Korea and in Russia and so forth and all these nations. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem as well. We're supposed to remember Jerusalem, too. It's easy to remember America because, uh, I, as I said, I was born here, and I love America and, and all that it represents and so forth. But it says in, also in Psalm 137, it says these words. And this is not David. David was speaking in the previous psalm I gave you. That, those were his words. These are not the words of David. These are the words of those who were in cap, had been in captivity. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? They were in captivity, and they were outside of Israel, outside of Jerusalem, and they were in the country, the nation of Babylon. How shall I sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem... Let my right hand forget its skill. Let me, let me know how not to do my work if I forget Jerusalem. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. I won't be able to speak if I do not exalt Jerusalem above all my chief joy. So we're, we're not Israel. Uh, we're not Jewish people, although there may be some here today, and uh, there may be. But we're, uh, uh, some of you are from different countries of the world. Some of you were born here. You maybe don't even know what your background is. But, but uh, that doesn't matter. You can pray for America, but you can also, because of the news and, and, and the importance of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel in the end times, uh, particularly as I teach eschatology anyway, 
I've got uh, covenantal friends and reformed friends who are not Pentecostal, and uh, they are many other denominations, mainline denominations, and they, they have no use for the nation of Israel as far as being a sign for the end times. We covet that. We're what we call premillennial. We believe in the return of Christ before the millennium, at, uh, during the time of the tribulation that goes on in the world. We talk about the rapture and the second coming of Christ, etc. cetera. Uh, but um, my covenantal friends do not look, uh, they, they, they believe in the covenants of God in the Old Testament, but they belong to the church. They don't, they don't believe that the promises belong to the nation of Israel anymore, but it belongs to the church. Uh, and so we disagree on, on that point. So uh, they're, that's, they're, that's what they believe in. But we still hold that place in our heart. We still hold our place in our heart for the nation of Israel, and particularly now for Jerusalem, that's now in the, the, the main thrust of everything that's going on in the world today. There's how you understand prophecy is to understand what I call a, uh, I call it a thread of prophecy, but I also have it on your slide here as a progressive beam of light in prophecy. That's why I like the, 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 the group up here that were singing, and they talked about the light. I, I thought that was great, uh, and, and what a fitting song as far as I was, I was concerned. But there's a, there's a progressive beam of light or a thread of prophecy that you have to understand from the book of, Revela- uh, the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. If you uh, think that you can believe what you see on Facebook all the time about these uh, sensationalist, uh, uh, sensationalistic theories of the coming of the Lord, he's coming at this time, and you, they see the stars, and they see the moons, and they see different things. Many of these guys, are, are whoever they are that are on, uh, uh, on the internet or on uh, Facebook, they haven't a clue what the Bible really says as far as what prophecy means from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and beyond to our day. They don't know. Uh, it tells us in, in 2 Peter 1, these words, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. You do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. That's why I love the, 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 the group that sang about the light. It, it's a light. It's a thread of prophecy. It's a, a light that beams from the Old Testament, Genesis, all the way to the New Testament, the book of Revelation. It, until the day dawn and, and the day star arise in your hearts. That's metaphorical language for the Messiah. The day star being the Messiah, metaphorically speaking. But it's uh, also in the Hebrew and Greek, it, it mentions that being the day star, which would be like Venus, what they call Venus in, in, in some of the translations as you read that. So it's uh, the day star shines in your hearts, for the prophecy came not in old time, in old time by the will of man. And when you turn to Facebook, that's what happens a lot of times. You see the will of man that's being projected on these screens. And I follow Facebook. I never liked Facebook. I, when my, my son tried to introduce me to it, my, my grandchildren actually first, they said, Pappy, you need to get on Facebook. I said, I don't, uh, you know, I, I called it Bookface at the time. Uh, you know, I said, I don't want to be on Bookface. You know, and they said, no, it's Facebook. I, okay, all right. But the, so they put me on Facebook. What they did is they got all, some of my old email contacts and they gave them all, put them all on my, my account and opened up a, a Facebook page for me. I'm going, oh, and I never touched it for a long time. And so my son finally came to me and said, Dad, he, my son, he's a 52-year-old videographer that travels too. 
And uh, he said, Dad, you've got to get on Facebook because you've got to talk about your ministry. You've got to talk about, you've got to have David Siriano Ministries. And I says, well, okay. And a whole, a lot of time went by since my grandchildren did it. So I said, I, I said okay, so he did it. So now I've got a Facebook page. So, but I see what they're saying. Uh, and and they, they just pick up shreds of prophecy here and there and, and do some sensationalist thought. They, they, they have no clue as to the threat of, of, and the beam of light that's really happening throughout the Scripture and throughout history. In order for you to understand prophecy, well, here's, here's one clue, because I'm going to talk a little bit about political science, okay? Uh, that when you, if you want to understand prophecy, you have to understand this, as seeing that we elect people here in America, uh, and uh, some are Democrats, some are Republicans, and I want you to understand this. It's not about politics, it's about prophecy, you get this? I want you to, if you forget everything else I say, and if you forget every scripture I put on the board, if you forget everything else, remember this. It's not about politics. It's about prophecy. When you talk about Donald Trump, it's not about politics. It's about prophecy. When you talk about a Barack Obama or a George Bush or a Lyndon Johnson or a John Kennedy, that's when I became a pastor and when John Kennedy was president. If you talk about any of these guys, it's not about politics. It's what these men do to contribute to the prophetic scheme and the prophetic plan that God has for the world and for the second coming of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Say it with me on the count of three that it's not about politics, it's about prophecy. One, Two, three. It's not about politics. It's about prophecy. Now, you can do better than that. Come on. One, two, three. It's not about politics. It's about prophecy. Remember that. If you forget everything else I've told you today. And so what we're seeing here is a beam of light that shines prophetically from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, there are wars that brought the Jews back to Palestine. Scenes we're talking about, I'll mention Jerusalem again in a moment. Uh, the, uh, the America and the British Empire and, and Russia, who, who were all superpowers at the time, they defeated the Ottoman Empire, and I think I, I'll have it up there for you. They defeated the Ottoman Empire, which is Islam, the central powers in World War I, allowing the Jews to return to Palestine. Now, you won't get that in a history book. But uh, I happen to believe that the, the, the real main purpose, prophetic purpose for America is to help the Jews bring back to, uh, the Jew, help the Jews come back to Israel uh, and then eventually to establish Jerusalem as the capital, as you've heard recently. The main, the, our main thrust, now there's other reasons for, us, for, the, for the beginning of America. Many, you could mention a, a number of good reasons. But prophetically speaking, the main reason, I believe, is so that the Jews would return to their land. We fought World War I, and again, it's not in the history book. We fought World War I, and at the end of World War I, we defeated what is called the Germ what was Germany, Austria-Hungary, and the Ottoman Empire, which was collapsing anyway. Uh, the, the, Cal uh, the Caliphate and all that, uh, uh, etc. They were, they were beginning to collapse. And we defeated them, and we took control of Palestine away from, the is from Islam and the Ottoman Empire in world at the end of World War I. The Balfour Declaration allowed the Jews to start to return, and then it came to World War II. And Adolf Hitler was very displeased with the end of World War I. Uh, we defeated the Nazis in, in World War II who were killing Jews. Israel was then established as a nation three years at the end of World War II, and after he killed six million Jews, and he used Joseph Stalin, who was also a murderer, as well as America. And Joseph Stalin killed just as many people as, as Adolf Hitler did. But he used Joseph Stalin from the, from the east, and America and, and from the west, 
We defeated Adolf Hitler. Why? Joseph Stalin was killing people too. But Adolf Hitler was killing the Jewish people, and God had a plan to bring them back to the, to the land. And at the end of World War II, the United Nations, which was more pro-Western at the time, they divided the land and said the Jews can live here, the Palestinians can live here, and all of a sudden, they're in their land and they're in their nation, and they declared statehood in 48. President Truman was the first guy, at, at once it was established in 48, he says, I support the nation of Israel. Wow. Are you with me? Look at this, America and the armies of the East. This is... We, we know that the Bible says that armies are going to come from the east. Co the Korean conflict under President Truman in 50 to 53 halted the invasion of North Korea and China in South Korea. You, I, was just a, I was just a young boy. But there was the conflict. And, and why, why is Donald Trump dealing with Korea now? Because it's not over. They, we've been fighting this war for 70 years, and it hasn't been over. So God is doing something. He did something in the days of Truman. We halted the advance of communism. Now, all of a sudden, we have to deal with communism and, and uh, the, the fact that they wanted, they've tried to get together with the, at the Olympics and all that. And, and President Trump is now dealing with Korea and the other nations who may very well be part of the armies of the East that the book of Revelation talks about that's going to come into Jerusalem. Remember, this is about Jerusalem that I'm talking about. And so, so, well, if I can say something that won't sound political, because I, I, I try to understand political science. I deal with history, which I'm very, pretty good at history. I read about what's happened in the Bible and what's happened in world history. I understand, try to understand political science, which is what each administration of, of, of America or a superpower has to do with one another or with other nations. Like what does Barack Obama's administration have to do with Trump or, or Obama have to do with uh, George Bush or any of them? You have to understand this. And what does that have to do with the nations of the world? You have to get this picture in order to try to not be political, but you have, in order for you to understand that God is doing something through politics. And it's not about politics because he uses politics to prove prophecy. So you look at history, you look at political science, and then I happen to be in love with eschatology, which is the doctrine of end things, and I say, yes, Lord, I see it in history, I'm reading about it now, and I know what you're going to do in the future. So, what happened uh, when, when Clinton and Trump were running for office, I said, uh, you know, everyone said, it's a lesser of two evils. And I said, well, I would stand in the pulpit and say, well, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump didn't, did not create the evil that's in America. Because everyone was saying how evil they were. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump did not create the evil that's in America. The evil that's in America created Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Now, that's not, that's not a political statement. That's only to show you where we are with America and our collapse. That's to show you that God wants to use us here at the end times. And the reason God establishes us as a great superpower was to bring the Jews back to their land. And when he's ready to discard a superpower, he discards it. That's history. No superpower in the history of the world has ever remained a superpower. It's never happened. Never happened. No superpower has ever remained a superpower. It doesn't, doesn't happen. And I've got history on my side to tell you that. Um... Skip to, skip to slide 11, if you would, please, in the interest of time. The Jews and the Arabs in the future. I mentioned earlier that there's three religions that are there, the, the church, the church, the Jews, the Arabs. 
There's a scripture found in Isaiah 19 that says, in that day, there's going to be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. The, Assyria, the Assyrians will go, that's in, they're in the north, which is Syria today. Etymologically speaking, it's, some of the Assyrians are Assyrians today and some are not. But the Egypt, there's going to be a highway from Egypt in the south through, to, to Israel. The, the Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. In that day, Israel will be a third along with Egypt and Assyria. Can you imagine that? Where we're bombing Syria today, there's going to be a highway that's going to go from Egypt that's in the south because the Bible says in Isaiah that, I, I, that Egypt is going to be destroyed, but then God is going to build it back up again because there's going to be an altar to the Lord in Egypt, it says in Isaiah. So Egypt, we, I believe, is, is, in my opinion, is going to be saved. Assyria is going to be saved. And look what the scripture says here. Let me read on further. Uh, a third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. Look at the line, last line that says, The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. Now today, amen, give God praise. Today, 90% of Egypt is Islam, Muslim. 90% of Egypt is Muslim. But yet somehow and somewhere along the line, it could be in the time of the millennium, after the tribulation, that they're, they're going to be called Egypt and Assyria. Assyria is going to be, Egypt is going to be called my people. Assyria is going to be my handiwork. And Israel is my inheritance. Now, look at this word. We know that in December, Jerusalem's the capital. I, I mentioned that earlier at the beginning. And it says that Jerusalem was declared the capital of Israel by President Donald Trump on December 6, 2017. On May 14th, America moves its embassy to Jerusalem to coincide with the 70th anniversary of Israel's proclamation of independence in 1948. You see, I'm telling you that because it just isn't some haphazard thing that happened that Donald Trump did this. Now, Barack Obama could have done it. George Bush could have done it. Uh, Ronald Reagan could have done it. Any of those, they could have done it, but they didn't do it. Why? Because God works on timing. Uh, and uh, and uh, what happened was, and let, me, and let me tell you this too, it's not a political statement, but had Clinton won, and let's just tell you the scenario of political science and how administrations change to affect prophecy, that had Clinton won, uh, which I would have studied to try to figure out now what she's going to do as far as uh, prophecy is concerned, as I'm studying Trump to find out what he's doing. If Clinton would have won, she would have probably carried out the same uh, things that Barack Obama had done. That's how political science works. It's very well possible. Uh, and and that, that, that's okay. I'm not, that's not a political statement. So, so uh, she would have carried out the same things that Barack Obama or any other Democratic uh, administration would have done, and, 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 and things would have gone on, and, and there would be perhaps maybe no call of Jerusalem to be the capital. She would have continued, and everything would have been good, and we had good relationship with all the politicians of the world, which Donald Trump does not have a good relationship with all the politics of the world. So you see what's happening here. All of a sudden, in order for these things to happen, it was like God, it, it, Donald Trump was elected instead of uh, Clinton, and again, not a political statement. What God did was he said, okay, it's time to push the, the pedal to the metal. And we're going to name my city, the city of God that I gave to you in Isaiah. It's going to be called, it is called my city, and it's going to be the place of Jerusalem in order to prepare for the end. That's how I view that. And so Donald Trump, who's a CEO that's willing to step on anybody, 
That, that's a bully uh, that likes you one day and can't stand you the next day. And those are not political statements. I'm just trying to describe prof- prophetically what's happening. You needed this kind of a guy that was going to go in and shake up the world. Because, because my viewpoint is, my worldview is, <laughs> my worldview is the cultural collapse of America. But that's not what Donald Trump says. Donald Trump says, I want to make America great again. And by doing so, his idea is to pull everything away from all the other nations, which he's doing. It's a prophetic thing that's happening. You may look at it as bad. And it, and it could be bad. It could be bad for America. I don't know. But with all the problems that he's having with the, the nations of the world, I'm sitting there saying, I'm salivating. And I'm saying, oh, God, you're, you're moving. And I've been saying for about two decades, even before I wrote the book, that America has got to be moved out of the way. And that's exactly what this president is doing. I'm not speaking badly against him. I don't talk bad about presidents. I only talk about their, what they do for prophecy. That's all I talk about. And so all of a sudden now you have... You have a shakeup, and what does, I, I told my son-in-law when, when Donald Trump was elected, I said, you know what he's going to do? He's going to change everything economically in the world. That's what I told him when he was elected a year and a, year and a little bit more a year ago. That's exactly what he's doing. Because in the future, and I only got a few minutes here, in the future, what is going to happen is these nations that he has no economic relationship with are going to have to turn to somebody else. Now you have the city of Jerusalem, and, and, and Jared Kushner, uh, his son-in-law, is, is it a coincidence that he says uh, that Jerusalem's the capital and he's got a son-in-law? Is that, that, that could be because they're related, but is God in this? Is all of a sudden we have the situation where th- that Jared Kushner, who came in about the day of the embassy, and he says that this is the place for all of faith to, to dwell in, and that's what's going to happen. Because we, we, I happen to believe that, that the land is, is going to be divided even further. And you're going to see the, the establishment of, the, of a, a temple for the Jews. You're going to see Arabs that are going to be in their land in, in Palestine. There's going to be some kind of a deal that's going to be made. And who's the person that economically wants to change all this stuff? It's not Donald Trump. It's going to be someone that the nations of the world are going to turn to because they can't turn to America any longer. They're going to turn to perhaps sometime in the future somebody that's referred to in the Bible as the Antichrist in which you cannot buy or sell uh, unless you have his markings in your hand or in your forehead. Is this an accident that's happening? It was, uh, was, was Barack Obama maybe not the right guy for the presidency? I happen to think he was. Barack Obama was the right man prophetically because he brought to our consciousness uh, his Christian background, but his Islamic roots. And we know that his Islam in the end days, as I already showed to you, is going to, I believe is going to be saved. They're going to be called God's people. So something happened with George Bush, with Barack Obama, and now with Donald Trump. God is the one who's in charge of these presidents. The Bible says that. He's the one that points the leaders. So stop looking, stop looking at, at presidents prophetic, uh, politically. Start looking at them prophetically. Don't say, don't say uh, I don't like Donald Trump. Say, say, okay, God, it's not about politics, but it's about prophecy. Don't keep saying you didn't like Barack Obama because it's not about politics. It's about prophecy. And God is in charge of all these nations. And I want to close here by saying Jerusalem uh, is... Uh, is going to be divided. There's going to come a time in which God will set up his millennial kingdom. And, and all, uh, look at slide 16, if you would, please, because what, what this is, is it, it's about um, uh, what you need to do is you need to look beyond. 
uh, and take a look beyond. And slide 16 says, understand, this is your strategy for Christians in a post-Christian America, because that's what we're, we're in a post-Christian America. We've collapsed or collapsing. Understand you're above the fray, you're above the politics, you're above the bad things, you're above anything else. Uh, the Lord has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. All of these. You're, you're above it all because you're looking beyond. And, and, and it tells us in Revelation eleven nineteen, the temple of God is open for us in the book of Revelation. Once, once we get into the time in which the Lord is going to establish his kingdom, as far as Jerusalem is concerned, he will rule out of Jerusalem. And that's why we're there now. That's why Jerusalem's the capital. That's why we moved our embassy there. That's why other nations are going to move their embassy there as well. Because God is preparing for the time of the tribulation, for the time of the Antichrist, for economic and military and political changes to be made in the world, and are being made today, because he's setting up his kingdom for the time of tribulation and the time of the Antichrist. That's what you're seeing as far as Jerusalem being the capital. Jerusalem's the capital, and they're going to they're rule from there. The, the, the Knesset is already there, of course, and we've moved our, our embassy there, and all of a sudden, we know that that points to the temple of God that's in heaven eventually. The Bible says in Revelation 11, 19, and um, Revelation 15, 5, it says there, and there's a scripture for you up there, the temple of God is open. The temple of God was open in heaven, and there was seen in this temple the ark of his covenant. And after that, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. Jerusalem and, and Israel and, Jeru and Jerusalem today, the capital, is pointing to a future time in which the ark of the covenant and the, test and the tabernacle and the, te uh, the temple will be opened in heaven. What is that? all about? The Bible says, the Bible says there is no temple in heaven. And, and how can they open up the temple in heaven in, in Revelation? Well, what that really means is because the Bible says God's the temple, that means that God is going to open himself to us in heaven. All of a sudden, the things that you know about Jerusalem, the things you know about Christ, the things you know about God speeding up the end times, bringing it all to pass, about the city of Jerusalem, is a picture of what's going to be like the city of Jerusalem that's coming down from God out of heaven. The millennium, the Bible says. And you are the city of Jerusalem. That's what you're going to be. The Bible tells, says that. When John will look to find the, 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 the Lamb's wife in the book of Revelation, he turned and he saw the new Jerusalem coming from, God, God, coming from heaven, uh, from God, down to the earth. And that's going to be your part. The, the heaven is going to be open to you. That's what I explained in this novel that I wrote about the book of Revelation. Uh, and, and I want you to understand that this temple is open, will be open for you. Pray for Jerusalem. Pray for the city. Believe God that he answers prayer. Believe that uh, he is in touch with all the things and he's in charge of all the things that's happening with Jerusalem and Israel today. And if you, uh, if you do not know Christ today as Lord and Savior, they're going to be singing here in just a moment. And, and Pastor Jeremiah will come back. And I want you to understand that you can accept Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If you do not know who he is, just breathe that prayer in your heart and say, Father, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Take control of me. I thank you that you're controlling the world, that you're controlling all the aspects of what we hear about Bible prophecy, and you're in charge. And so, Lord, I come to surrender my life to you. Here I am. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life, and I repent, and I turn from my ways to walk in your ways. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, God. Answer this prayer. Answer this prayer, O oh God, for every heart that's here, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Call the intercessors forward.
they'll come forward, as is our custom, to pray with anybody who would like to come forward in response to the message today. Um, you know, how about a great round of applause for Pastor David? Yeah. I know... I know that there have been moments and times when people have been brought to the Lord by amazingly unique conversations that I'm shocked by, but he's not. And in the midst of an end times conversation, in the midst of the future hope that we have in Christ, we can remember and be reminded that the, the hope we have is not in our part of the story, but in God's part of the story. He's the hero, and in all throughout it, he demonstrates his great grace and love towards us, and we thank him for that. So. I'm going to quiet myself and let you respond in worship to the words you've heard today. Maybe there's something going on in your life where you just need to get before the Lord and thank him and praise him for having a plan for the future. Uh, how many of you need to know and be grateful for the fact that simply God has a plan and a purpose for the future, right? Amen. So let's worship together, and then um, we'll conclude in just a few. Thank you, Lord.